welcome to the preaching ministry of Port St. Lucie Bible Church. We are a Christian church whose goal is to faithfully preach Christ from Scripture so that we might better love and serve Him. We pray that this message from God's Word would engage your mind with the truth and inspire your heart to obey Christ. Here's today's message. Spencer grew up in a New Tribes Mission family in Paraguay. Joanna was was partially raised in and continues to have close family ties in Port St. Lucie. Uh, They both received two years of Bible training or Bible education at the Ethnos 360 Bible Institute in Wisconsin and two and a half years of cross-cultural missions training in Missouri. Is that where you met too? Bible college? Yeah. 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 of, some pre, of supreme importance to us is that they have been identified as gifted and have been officially sent out uh, by a believing uh, Bible-believing Christian church. That is Grace Gospel Church in Huntington, West Virginia. It is my pleasure to introduce to you Spencer and Joanna and Abby and Gabby Goddard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good morning. I appreciate it. Well, with that intro, uh, I might be able to cut down five or ten minutes off of our uh, background. (laughs) But uh, thank you all so much for uh, having us. We really appreciate this opportunity to share about what God has called us to in Brazil. And we want to share as much as we can about that, but we want to start with a little bit more of our background. Uh, Pastor John already gave quite a bit of background uh, for us, but um, we, we... as, as he said, we're sent out of uh, our church in West Virginia, Huntington, West Virginia, and we are going to be tribal church planners with formerly New Tribes Mission. They were New Tribes for 75 years before they changed their name, but Ethnos 360, and we, uh, we are very excited for what the Lord has called us to. We finished training back in uh, 2021. Right, and we have since been raising our support to go, and we'll get more into that uh, as we go on. But uh, first off, before we get into God's word, before we uh, share the bulk of the presentation, we want to share a little bit of our backgrounds. And as was already said, I grew up in uh, a New Tribes Mission family. I grew up as the youngest son of missionaries. Uh, my parents, Mark and Odie Goddard, went down to Paraguay in 1993. And actually, even before that, my, my uh, great-grandparents in 1955 went down to Paraguay. And ever since then, a generation of my family has been involved in tribal church planning and discipleship, and that, those types of ministry, all with New Tribes Mission. And having grown up in that family, I, of course, I, I heard the gospel at a young age, and my parents were very intentional to raise my older two brothers and I in the ways of the Lord to instruct us in the things of the Lord and to have us memorize scripture. So from an early age, I heard the gospel, but it, of course, just the same as being raised in the American church or being um, being a Christian kid doesn't make you uh, automatically have a, a seamless journey. I, I accepted the Lord as a, a child at the age of eight, and I was actually back here in the States when my parents were on 
what we, we called it furlough back then, but every three or four years we'd be back in the States visiting churches. And it was during that time that we went to see this play that was an evangelistic play and very clearly laid out the reality of heaven and hell. And that night I realized, wow, if I were to die tonight or if Jesus comes back, he's going to take mom and dad and Anthony and Connor with him and I'm going to be left behind and that really stink. And I, I remember thinking about that and I went and talked to my mom. That was the night that I placed my faith in Jesus. I, I realized my sinful condition before, before the Lord and placed my faith in Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection. And that was where it started. And as uh, about age 11, I remember another time, it was also at night when I was uh, trying to fall asleep, I had another realization, and that was, wow, there are people dying and going to hell right now who have not yet had a chance to hear about Jesus. That means they don't know they're going to hell. They don't know their eternal destiny. And I was like, how can this be? And I went and talked with my mom about that too. And she said, that's why we're doing what we're doing, Spencer. It wasn't, my parents never preached missions at us so much or, or said, we want you to be a missionary too. It was something the Lord put on my heart at age 11. But as a teenager, I kind of lost sight of that. I, I, I drifted away from the Lord, had a, a just a, basically a double life where I still wanted to look like a good Christian kid, but in reality, I, didn't, I wasn't living for the Lord. I wasn't walking with him, and I had drifted pretty far away. But it was during, uh, like Pastor John said, I went to Bible college in Wisconsin, and it was during that time that I gained a fresh understanding. I learned what God's grace was through Jesus Christ. I learned about my position in Christ, that I'm united with him in his death, his resurrection, that I am no longer a slave to sin. All these things that I had heard but didn't truly grasp until I was at Bible college. And the Lord used that time to to call me back to himself, also as a time that I rededicated my life to become a missionary. I, I felt that he rekindled that desire that I had kind of pushed back. So, And it was also uh, during those two years at Bible college that I met Joanna. So there's a lot of reasons I'm thankful I went to, to Bible college there when I did, but the Lord brought us together, um, and I'll let her share a little bit about her background as well. All right. Thanks, Joe. Um, Yeah, so my story is quite a bit different from Spencer's. I did not grow up overseas, but I'm no stranger to moving around because I actually grew up in a military family. Um, So, you know, from birth on, it's like every three years, pack up, move. Um, That's eventually we made it here to Port St. Lucie. (laughs) Um, But before we were here in Florida, we actually lived in Wisconsin. And it was there in Wisconsin, it was the first time that I remember hearing a gospel message. I was about five years old. And so as a five-year-old, the gospel message was translated very simply in my mind, which is, okay, there's heaven and there's hell. Heaven's this really awesome place, and hell is is not a really awesome place. And Jesus Christ is the way to heaven. So at five, I was like, okay, I, I choose Jesus. Yeah, I'll take that. I am so grateful the Lord didn't leave me in the simplicity of that gospel, but I love that the gospel is could be broken down that simply. But the Lord taught me more. And as my family, my dad retired from the military, and we moved down here to Florida because we had family here. And it was here in Port St. Lucie that I started attending church, and I began to understand a lot more about the gospel. For example, that I was a sinner, 
in need of a Savior, and that that Savior is Jesus Christ, and that Jesus Christ is absolutely the only way to heaven. And so understanding that and and understanding more and more of the gospel and the richness of that truth just humbled my heart, and I was like, God, I want you. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to do it, but I want you. And thankfully, I was attending a church regularly, and I was attending a youth group, and I had some mentors from that church really just come alongside me and disciple me, and I'm so grateful for them. So throughout my teenage years, I really learned a lot more about God, about his word, and understanding the connections that are there. And it's through those teenage years that I also learned about unreached people groups. I had no idea that there were so many people all across this world who had not a word in their Bible, of their language in the Bible. And they just, I, it blew my mind to think, wait, these people have no idea who Jesus Christ is? They've never heard of him. They don't have a Bible. They don't have somebody going and talking to them. And it's hundreds and hundreds of people, and it broke my heart as a teenager, and it still breaks my heart to this day. And I knew that was when the Lord was saying, you go. I don't know why he chose me. I'm not like an expert in any of these things, but I was like, okay, God, let's do this, you know? And so I'm very grateful he did. And that eventually led me to Bible college where we met. Um, we eventually started dating in Bible college, not in the first year. I was like, ah, you know, he's, he's a friend. Mm. <laughs> Actually, fun fact, he's a little bit younger than me, and I used to call him my little brother. Mm. So he talks about friend zone, and I'm like, what? he's like, well, it's a little brother zone. Like, <laughs> mm. I don't know. But the Lord, you know, changed my heart and his. <laughs> um, and then we went to training, and in the two and a half years of training, we went from dating to engaged, married, and had our first daughter. So it was a busy two and a half years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'll let him go ahead and continue selling the rest. Mm -hmm. So uh, we want to get into now just uh, an overview of our ministry. And the way that one of our favorite ways to break this down is is kind of by three questions, answering three questions. And uh, so the three questions... Three questions about ministry are why, what, and how. And this is how I'm going to frame uh, just the intro to ministry and, and the specific type of ministry that we're a part of, um, in, or that we'll, we will be a part of in Brazil. And as part of our, our first section, the why section, I'm going to be I'm taking us through several passages of Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Second Peter 3. That'll be our first one. But uh, we're going to, I'm just going to take us through each one of these questions, why, what, and how, and, and take it or apply it to what we're going to be doing and answer those. So first, why ministry? Why missions? Why are Joanna and I going to be a part of this ministry in Brazil? And we already shared a little bit about, about that in our stories, but I want to share the general why, and we we had our scripture reading earlier from Romans 10. That was an excellent passage that says, how will they hear without a preacher? How will they, how will they uh, go unless they are sent? And there, this is not going to be an exhaustive uh, study, um, but we're going to look at the heart of God in missions, and or the heart of God for the nations and for missions. Um, and this is just going to be a few passages that the Lord has used on our hearts as part of a process of us realizing this is where he wants us to be. 
So the first one, as I said, is 2 Peter 3. I have it on the screen if you uh, need to follow along that way as well. So uh, 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9, and Peter just came off of saying that in the last days, scoffers will come saying, where, is the, where are the signs of his coming? And they neglect to notice, or they choose to, to, uh, to forget that God has judged the world at the flood, that he made the world. So anyway, he's talking about Jesus coming back. And 2 Peter 3, verses 8 through 9, and it says, But do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And this passage uh, has been very just transformational in my thinking as I, I realize the heart of God for the world, especially that last, uh, the last verse, the heart of God that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And as I start to realize that, I see, I've seen it throughout Scripture, not just this one verse, that God's heart throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, has been for the nations to come to him. And the more I try to read God's word as, as the narrative of Scripture and not just as it, just pockets of stories, as one redemptive story of Jesus redeeming us, buying us back from our sin, and us um, becoming part of his bride, the church. The more I see that, the more I, I see that God has been about this throughout his story, that even in stories like the, uh, the flood, it, which we typically think as a story of judgment, where God judged the, the wickedness of men, but God also saved Noah and his family. If, and if you think about it, he basically hit the reset button in order to buy more time. Uh, it, he, uh, he reset the wickedness of men in a way because I, I believe that if he hadn't done that, then mankind would have destroyed themselves. We, we, would, we wouldn't uh, exist anymore. And same at the Tower of Babel, where the Lord said, Look, they are, they are as one. They have one language. Anything they set their mind to, they'll be able to do. And he confused their languages, which could be seen as judgment, but also mercy. That the Lord was allowing time for us not to destroy ourselves. He was allowing more time for people to know who he is, for him to be known by people. And this is taken by Peter as uh, the, the Lord is, is shown to be not seeing time the same way we do, but also he is not slack, or uh, that's what it says in KJV, but uh, is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient. And he's been exercising that patience even now. He is exercising that patience in that the Lord has not returned for us yet. I believe that that day is coming very soon. And I, I saw on the sign that, that we see, as we see the day draw near, we encourage one another. We continue to be about the work of the Lord. And that's what, where we're going to go next. That the, the Lord, that Jesus is not, hasn't returned for us yet because he's waiting for more people to come to repentance. And that we have not yet reached that point where, uh, God has God the Father has said it's time for um, Jesus to return, but we're going to read. Uh, that's kind of 
looking forward, and we're also going to read a passage in Revelation chapter 7 that's at the very end of the story, after, um, after Jesus returns. Um, Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. So we're going to fast forward to the end of the story. We kind of looked at an overview through the Old Testament, and I could go on and on with passages about um, David when he was fighting Goliath, he said that they may know that there is a God in Israel, that all the earth may know. Or when Moses and, and uh, Pharaoh, when Moses was speaking to Pharaoh and he said that God was using Pharaoh as basically a, an example to show all the world that there was a God in Israel and um, to, point to, to point all the nations to the one true God. But uh, Revelation 7 verses 9 through 10 say, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God and to the Lamb. Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And this is one of the songs that we see sung around the throne of God, around the throne of Jesus at, uh, at the end of time. And I don't believe that this is an exaggeration that uh, John uses here. I believe that there will be representation around the throne of God from every nation and, uh, what does it say? Every nation and tribes and peoples and tongues worshiping God. And uh, this is, I, I believe, what God has ordained to happen, that we will, be, um, we will be a part of that. We will be around the throne. We are part of those, one of those nations that will be represented there, but that God is going to do an amazing work of redeeming all kinds of languages uh, around the throne. So if it will happen, if, if we can count on this, that God is going to make this happen, by what means? What is God going to do to accomplish this? And we're going to go to one more passage uh, in, before we uh, move on to our next section, but the passage is Acts 1, 6 through 8, probably a well-known passage, right after Jesus' resurrection. And uh, Jesus was meeting with his disciples. He had been um, appearing to them for 40 days, and uh, Acts 1, 6-8 through 8, records their conversation with him. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses." both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And this is immediately followed by Jesus ascending to heaven, and the, there are angels there that proclaim that he is going to return just as they saw him go. But in the following chapters, the Holy Spirit comes upon them and empowers the disciples, fills the disciples, and they are then just what Jesus said would happen, happens. They are his witnesses in Jerusalem. And then because of persecution, they're spread out to Judea and Samaria. And then by the end of Acts, to the remotest part of the known world at that time, to Rome. But the story is still going as far as 
the gospel is still going out to the remotest part of the earth that we know about. There are still areas of the, of the world where the gospel has not yet reached. And all this to say that God, I believe very strongly that God has, used, has chosen to use us at this present time, his church, as the means to accomplish the, the salvation of the, of the nations, to spread the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be witnesses to what we have seen and heard. And uh, I, the more I study this, the more I, I become convinced that God doesn't need you or me. He does not need us to accomplish his goals. I, I remember, uh, I've, I've thought before, oh, why wouldn't God just use angels or something more effective, more efficient uh, in order to spread the gospel? They could just speak all the languages of the world and not have to do all this work that we have to do. But uh, as I think about that, I, I think about my, my daughter, Abigail, my oldest, and whenever I want her to do something like clean up her blocks. I, I say, okay, let's clean up. And I have, I instruct her and have to help her through it and we do it together. But it takes so much longer when I involve her. But I want to involve her as her father. I want to teach her how to do this. And I want to teach um, my daughter to, to be responsible and things like that. But in the same way, I believe that God is our gracious heavenly father who is, who does not need us but he wants to use us as a loving father. He wants to teach us along the way to rely on him. And I believe that God is doing the same, th- same thing, not just with us, but he is wanting to redeem others so that they can also be his ambassadors, as it talks about in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, that God makes his appeal through us to be reconciled to God. So that, and I, I am so encouraged with what I see in here that you all are con- convinced of the importance of missions in, uh, in the life, in the function of the church. I, but I want to share that as part of our story and just the importance of understanding that it's not our idea. It's not just a, something that we thought up. Oh, it might be a good idea to go and, and live among natives for a while. It was something that, no, the Lord has convinced us from his word that this is his design. This is his purpose. So, uh, I would like to continue. That's the biggest part, uh, the biggest section of our why, of why we are going to be missionaries. But I'd also like to share um, the specifics of what we're going to be a part of, which is tribal church planting among an unreached people group. And I'd, we might have uh, various uh, backgrounds or people who are, are different. Uh, different points in their understanding of those terms. So I'd like to kind of define that a little bit um, by defining an unreached people group. And the way I'd like to do that is by uh, reading a testimony. First of all, let me see a show of hands of who knows where Papua New Guinea is. Oh, that's actually a pretty good show of hands. Thank you. Uh, I've, I've been, I've asked and been only one or two hands or no hands before. Um, so that's why I have a map up just in case, but it's an island. It's, it's half of an island. The other half is, is by, uh, is Indonesia and it's just north of Australia. But on this island, there are over 800 people groups, 800 languages and cultures that are distinct from the national language. And Many, many of those do not yet have the gospel. And such was the case with the man's test, this man whose testimony we're about to read, Bumani. So I'm going to read 
uh, some of what he has to say. So Bumani in, from Papua New Guinea says, Before I knew the Creator God, I was very afraid of evil spirits. I was bitten a lot by centipedes, and that again made me afraid of the evil spirits. I thought I was going to die. That's how I used to live. That's how I used to think. But when I thought it's true about Jesus, on that day, my fear of spirits became small. It was like the fear was dead. I realized that I had been living under the chin or under the authority of Satan, and that's why I was afraid. My fear of spirits, of centipedes, and of dying, all those he caused to be done for me because Jesus died for me. His blood was shed for me. Wow, thank you, Creator God, thank you. Now my life is really a life of peace because the Creator God has freely caused me to live well because of his love for me. The Creator gives an elder his job. This is a really big job. An elder does not hold to this job because he wants to, nor is it a job that makes him live better. It's a job that the Creator set up for him to do. Since the Creator placed that job for me to do, it's good. The Creator didn't give us this job to live big over people. It's good for us to put ourselves small under other people. Pray that we will have that humility. I'm just a man, just a small person, so Satan is able to tempt me, and I can easily become proud. My friends, please pray to the Creator for me. One thing I pray daily for is this. Since our lives are in the Creator's hands, who will he also place as elders? Who will it be? We just don't know whom the Creator will choose. I pray that the Creator will choose three more people to be elders. I pray that all the time. So, my friends over there, please pray that for us too. And another thing I pray for daily is the people here who are on the Creator's side. I pray constantly that their hearts will become mature in Jesus. Since their hearts seem to be going back and forth all the time, I pray for them constantly that they may become mature. Another thing I pray for continually is the people living around us who haven't heard the Creator's talk. Please pray that they might hear the Creator's talk and become people on His side. And for you living in America, you should go and take His talk to people all around you in other lands too. His good talk is for all mankind, so give up the things you want to do and go tell people all around you in the distance. We can't make ourselves alive, and only His talk can make us alive. So go and tell people all around you in the distance. That's the talk I want to tell you. So that was one of the stories that came out of our missions organization, uh, New Tribes or Ethnos 360. Uh, they, there were missionaries from our organization that went to Papua New Guinea and um, that shared the gospel with Bumani. Bumani heard the gospel because not just those missionaries went and shared it with him, but they first started by learning the national language and culture, um, and then they, they went and learned his language and culture, which was different. They learned all that he believed about the spirits and the centipedes and that whole spiritual world that was his, his day-to-day life, and then got to the point where they could teach him uh, the gospel. But with no background in the Bible, you don't want to start with Jesus. You want to start with God the creator. With God creating the world, especially with an animistic culture such as that, you want to lay a foundation of who God is. That's why Bumani refers to him as the creator. Um, most likely the first way he heard about God was as his creator. And 
now, Bumani is not only our brother in Christ who, who will be around the throne praising God with us, but he is an elder in his church. And as you heard from the testimony, he has a heart for evangelism, for discipleship among his own people and other people groups around them. And this is this, this story just really encapsulates what we're passionate about. We want to see this um, in Brazil. We want to see God's word reach into those dark places like this. And there are many, many dark places around the world still that don't have the light of the gospel. So uh, that is the same, um, the same type of ministry my parents and my family um, for a couple of generations have been a part of. But that is our heart to be a part of that in Brazil. And I just put up a slide of, of picture of faces. Um, these are just a small sampling of the people groups that are in Brazil. Um, but these are not just numbers. I, I was going to share some statistics as far as there are like 99 unreached people groups. Um, so they would be considered unable to be evangelized from within. So they need to be evangelized from without. 99 of them have no missionaries going to them. There's 164 of those that need to be evangelized from without, but 99 aren't even being attempted to be reached yet. So that is our desire is to be a part of a church planting team to change that, to at least be a part of one of those people groups receiving the gospel. So that is, uh, the, that's a bit of the, uh, the what, I got a little bit ahead of myself. That, all that was the why, but the what is tribal church planning in that green highlighted portion of, of Brazil, the western sector. That's where the highest concentration is of unreached people groups. And we don't know exactly which people group we'll work with yet um, as that decision happens as we're learning Portuguese. But uh, we are going to be a part of a church planting team in that highlighted area with Ethnos 360. So uh, that's the what, that's probably the shortest section, but uh, the, the how I want to get into a little bit more as uh, this is an important question to answer as well. Um, as we talked about why, we talked about, and even a little bit of the how with Bumani's testimony, but how do we plant a mature church in an unreached people group? So not just share the gospel, but plant a church. How do we do that? We have spent the last four and a half years, as has already been mentioned, uh, in training for this. So uh, we were two years at Bible College in Wisconsin and two and a half years at cross-cultural uh, missionary training in Missouri. So from 2017 to 2019 was Bible school. Um, 2019 to 2021 was missionary training. And at missionary training, uh, it was the first two years at Bible College was all through um, the Bible as the narrative scripture. And then the, the second part, the training, was everything from learning how to, um, learning phonetics and making, and just a class of us just going, ah, eh, e, stuff like that. And, and then also classes where we were out in the woods for two and a half weeks, cooking over an open fire, working with a team, things like that, um, running a chainsaw. So there was lots of practical skills courses that we did during that two and a half years, uh, solar, electricity, <laughs> lots of things. But, um, then 2021, we finished at the Missionary Training Center in Missouri. And all of that four and a half years was preparation for us. And preparation for us to be a part of a church planning team, as, as I mentioned. And then all of last year, 2022, at the beginning of the year, January, we, we started support raising. We went back to my home church in West Virginia. And in that local area, we spoke in churches. 
we shared what God is calling us to do. Um, and we just prayed and asked that the Lord would bring up, bring, raise up the team that he wanted us to have as far as supporters. Because with this type of ministry, living in a remote location, it's very impractical to try to work a job and at the same time um, spend 40 hours a week learning a language and culture. So we are going to be fully supported by, um, by churches and individuals. And this is um, a super important formative time for us. God taught us so much last year and is continuing to teach us um, about what uh, he wants us to learn before we get to Brazil. But now we're at the stage of uh, 2023 moving to Brazil. So we've been raising support for uh, over a year now, 14, 15 months, and we hope to get to Brazil in the next two months. Um, So now we're in the process of getting our visas and and preparing um, those last-minute preparations. So uh, next for us is once we move to Brazil, we're going to begin adapting to the national language and culture. So we're going to be a part of Ethnos360's Missionary Training Center. We're going to be living there um, and on their campus, and we're going to be learning Portuguese, learning Brazilian culture, um, which maybe we should have just uh, spent more time with Rita and, and gotten more of that. But uh, we, we do uh, plan to get as much immersed into the culture as we can. And because we're going to most likely be working alongside uh, Brazilians and even indigenous believers as part of our church planning team. So we need to be able to communicate well in Portuguese, if that's the case. Um, And once we're in that stage, probably a year or two to learn Portuguese, then at, at that point we will become part of a church planning team. We will determine, oh, this people group is asking for a missionary, or this people group is in desperate need of a church planning team to come to them right now. Those things will be evaluated as we go along, and then we'll know a little more clearly which which group we'll work with. But um, then at that point, that's where the, that's the last point on the timeline up there, because we don't know, it's still all rough uh, from there, but uh, 2025 um, or so, move to Indigenous People Group and begin learning the Indigenous language and culture because many times it is not enough just to speak Portuguese to an Indigenous People Group if that's not their heart language. That's not what they talk about their beliefs in, so we would want to communicate in their heart language. So the goal from there is to to become immersed into the indigenous language and culture, establish relationships and friendships, and begin to uh, to build trust with a people group so that we can one day share the gospel, but share through the Bible who God is, our need for a Savior um, because of our sin, and the, the Savior's coming, Jesus coming to save us from our sin. So that would be... Um, Long a few years down the road, this is an intensive process. But then the long-term goal goes even beyond that, to to share the gospel for there to be baby believers, but then to raise them up in the faith um, takes a lot longer. So that is the the end goal is to um, to pass on, like Paul said to Timothy, the things which you have received. Um, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Also, our goal is to not just um, be church planners in the same tribe and for them to be uh, uh, dependent on us for the entire existence of the church. It's for us to pass it on and for us to work ourselves out of a job in a way. So that that's the long-term goal is for us to raise up 
um, leaders and pastors and deacons from within the indigenous people group. And then eventually take steps back so that this church can become a mature church that is sending its own missionaries that is functioning without us. So that is, that's the end goal. And again, all that is a how, that's a plan. And we have a whole lot more information, a paper about it and, and lots more information if you want that. But, um, but that's what we have been, uh, preparing and, uh, preparing for and, and trained for the past four and a half years. But, um, we very much think it's important for us to have a plan, but at the same time, we commit it to the Lord and say, um, <laughs> Lord, direct our steps and, and make it clear to us what we do each step of the way. But uh, that's, I hope that answering those three questions kind of gives you a, a good picture of what we're going to be doing, but also the, the biggest part of this, uh, I hope, is the why and why we uh, want to take, take on this venture at all. But uh, we, in terms of an update, we're, like I said, we were in West Virginia, but we moved down here to Port St. Lucie back in February, and um, we are continuing to raise support. We're at 90% of our recommended support or monthly uh, support coming in. So with that, we're close enough that our ethnos says, oh, you couldn't go ahead and buy tickets and go, but we're still working on our visas. So Lord willing, in May, we can fly. Um, but we, uh, our goal is to continue just to be faithful while we're here, continue to raise support, but at the same time, prepare to go. So, uh, we thank you all for being a part of, a part of that, a part of hearing about our ministry. Uh, it means so much to us. Um, and we've loved getting to know some of you. We hope to talk more after the service, but, um, we, we appreciate your prayers for us as we prepare to move, uh, very soon. Um, pray that we would always just stay anchored in Christ, always keep our eyes on him as the closer we get to it, the more that Satan would love to distract and disqualify us. And um, pray that our, our marriage, our family would stay strong amidst lots of transitions, um, that we would stick to, uh, to our hope in Christ and always keep our eyes on him. So we, uh, we'll be back at our display table um, at the in the foyer uh, bef- after the service, so love to catch up with as many of you as we can. There's a sign-up sheet for a newsletter and that type of thing, but um, we just so appreciate you all, and thank you for this opportunity. All right. Well, thank you, Spencer, for, for giving us a broad overview. I'm, I know there's a lot more behind that because I've been trying to adapt to the Brazilian culture for 29 years. <laughs> um, still haven't mastered that one, but uh, I'm fascinated as you talk. It, it could even get to the point if the tribe doesn't have their own written language, you might have to help them with an alphabet in order to put the Word of God into into their own language. And I I really appreciate their desire to have the church established and local tribes being their own church, not just westernizing them and expecting them to act like us, um, but uh, a true blessing to hear from your ministry. Let me ask one thing. You say you're 90% there. Uh, how short per month of your goal are you? Yeah. 555 short of your goal for ministry. Good thing to pray for. Let's do that, and I would encourage you uh, afterwards to visit the table, get on their mailing list so they can keep you abreast of what is going on. Uh, Also, uh, we're going to have a 
an offering uh plate out there on their table where if you'd like to give to them right now and get to know them further, uh, you are you are encouraged to do so. So let's pray. Father, as uh, we rejoice in seeing the compulsion from Scripture that uh, Spencer and Joanna not don't just have a feeling, or uh, uh, though those feelings are surely there, and they don't just uh, uh, have a hope, but their hope is in Christ. And yet that the compulsion would become because of your word and your desire to have the gospel preached. And as we know, uh, every day that we wait to, uh, to see Christ appear in the clouds, you are continuing to build your church. And we pray that uh, that church would continue to be built uh, even in far west Brazil, uh, Father in heaven. And as uh, the prayers have been requested uh, today, we think of Bumani who even there from uh, New Guinea is said, please have the churches pray that there'd be more elders, that they would uh, rise up and uh, lead the church. Lord, we, we pray for him and for that, uh, uh, for that ministry that he now has inherited from new tribes, that uh, he might be a godly influence and that many might join him in building the church, uh, your church, right there. And as Spencer and Joanna pray for strength, and to uh, persevere, uh, Lord, keep them safe, keep them together, and uh, strengthen them for every challenge that they might face, Lord, and give your church, your church, a heart uh, to want to win those souls, uh, even in places far away, Lord. According to your will, we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.